This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa, Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. Not important. Not important right now. What is more important, by far, are my co-hosts. Say hello to Aline Sander. Hi. Give a hearty hello to Arisa Mahapan. The prophecy shall be completed. And what show would be complete without Amy Ahern, our assistant director of admissions? Hi, Dave. Woo! Thank you for coming, oh, Amy. You're the best, Amy. <laughs> Amy's here today because she's awesome. Also, um, I thought we would discuss a painful question today. Ouch. Why you didn't get into med school, listener. Ouch. I, I'm, okay, so I'm not going to assume that all of our listeners didn't, in, didn't get into med school. Otherwise, I should stop doing the show because I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. But clearly a lot of people did. I mean, you're getting a lot of mail saying that saying that people will be happy to attend Carver College of Medicine this autumn. Yes, mm -hmm. that is exciting. Congratulations. So I didn't get. So the theme of today, the first part of today's show is, is I didn't get into med school. Now what? Sure. I forgot that it was this time of year <laughs> that people start thinking maybe it about is. the next application cycle or... Yeah. It is. Well, if if you didn't get in to medical school, um, you're in very good company because um, nationally about 50,000 people apply and about 20,000 matriculate. Yeah. So it's a numbers, company. it is a numbers game mm -hmm. to some extent. Um, wow, that's a lot. I didn't realize mm -hmm. it was quite so many people. Yeah. You know, I went and looked up in uh, like statistics at my undergrad institution and turns out that over, that there only two thirds, no, only one third of um of, of students who declared pre med will actually go on to medical school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you know they might change their mind. They might, uh, you know, not get in. I mean, there's a number of reasons for that discrepancy. I'm sure. I wish I wish we knew more about that discrepancy. But Maybe they found like their true passion, like bongo playing in the Himalayas. Or, right. Or they decided that working in the lab was real nice. Well, Amy, given the number of people that apply and the number of spots available, um, you know, it's just a numbers game, but all is not lost. No way. Is it? I think that's, I think that's what we're here to talk about today. Sure. Um, is how to turn it around, how to, how to fix it if you, uh, if you elect to uh, keep it trying. Sure. Um, what are some common things that people... Uh, should work on if they didn't get in. Sure. Well, a couple of things. Let's back up a little bit and just get a little bit more perspective too on the whole process and the not getting in. Um, I think Carver is not alone when we say that a good number of the class every year has applied more than one time. Mm. That's something to keep in mind. It doesn't always work for people on their first attempt for various reasons. And by no means should that be the deciding factor, oh, I'm going to give this dream up, all hope is lost, I might as well change gears right now at this point in my life. So I just want to put that out there because there could be lots of people listening who are going to be the most qualified applicants in one more cycle or something like that. They just need a year or two to do some things to strengthen the application so that they'll be extremely well qualified. So, okay, putting that out there, um, one of the first things I would encourage someone to do if they haven't been accepted is to go back to the schools that they did apply to and seek some feedback. Do you think they should go to internet forums to seek that feedback, Amy? Absolutely not. Internet yeah. forums oh, okay. are one of the scariest, darkest places <laughs> the planet has to offer. That's a surprising bit of advice there. I would expect that to be the first place people go to uh, yeah. to get information. Yeah. Some in particular, particularly toxic. Yahoo Answers, anxiety for Go to Yahoo yeah. Answers yep. to find out why. <laughs> anyway. So I would try to go back to the schools that 
that you had um, applied to, maybe if you've interviewed there. Every school has a different policy. Basically with Carver, if you do interview with us or even if you do apply and you are um, not accepted, you can seek advice and we will give advice to people over the phone or in person. We do these appointments starting sometime in January. We conclude them sometime in June and there are four staff members doing this. So we put a tremendous amount of effort into providing feedback for people because we feel like if you paid us the money and sent in your secondary application and your blood, sweat and tears in that process, the least we can do is offer you some explanation as to why you weren't accepted and to educate you a little bit more so that the next time you go through the process, you're going to be really well qualified. So that's our stance. I'm not saying that it's a popular stance on medical schools. Um, I think we are one of the few that do it, but um, schools do schools do offer this. Some schools do offer this. I'll say that. So go back to the to, schools. Perhaps and, to varying degrees. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it sounds like it's almost a cornerstone of your office mm-hmm. and your philosophy as, a, as an admissions office to, to almost to institutionalize that as a process as opposed to... Putting all of the initiative on the student to get in touch and then having the person make that, uh, you know, get that information on the spot. Yep. I think our director, Kathy Mellenbrock, she's an advocate of education in every way, shape and form. I think that our deans are also that way and our job is to educate. So we just see see this as another way to educate people. Um, throughout the process. So, okay, go back to your school, ask for some feedback. The most common things I talk with students about are probably MCAT and grade issues. But with those students especially, I want them to really do diligent research using the MSAR um, well the next time they apply. What's the MSAR? The MSAR. And you're going to ask me that, and I should know what it stands for. And of course, I'm not going to. But I think it's medical school admissions requirements. That sounds really good, Aline. That sounds I, really good. I, it's almost <laughs> like I have consulted this book myself. You, I think you You are yeah. correct, Aline. <laughs> yeah. So it's put together by the AAMC. It's credible information. It costs $28 a year to access it. Go together with a couple of friends if that seems cost prohibitive for you. But it's a great resource because then you can go and see, okay, so here I am with my grades and my MCAT score. Did I apply to schools that made sense? Did I apply to schools that I was right around their averages? Or did I apply to schools that just sounded like New York was a great place to live for a couple of years? It's not. Um, <laughs> so I would do some it's not for everyone. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So I would do some research. So beyond those grades and MCAT scores, at least for Carver, it's a holistic review. So I get into conversations with students about all kinds of things. Maybe they didn't have enough healthcare experience, according to our committee. Maybe they hadn't demonstrated um, that service was a passion of theirs. Um, maybe in their interview, they didn't really convey that they were more passionate about being a physician as opposed to being um, a scientist. And so those kinds of things are all really important. They're very individual. But I think it goes back to also the fit at the schools in which you are applying. Yeah. So for us, patient contact is a really big deal. So if someone has never worked with patients before, they likely did not seem like a great fit when they went through that cycle without patient contact being um, very evident in their application. So again, it's going back to the schools. How did you fit with their mission? Things like that. It sounds like you need to consider figuring out which schools you want to apply to early on in your pre-med journey yeah, so that you can identify what's important to them mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, what will help you during your application process. Right. Different schools look for different things. You know, Harvard is going to look for different things mm-hmm. than, than the University of Iowa. And it's important to take those into account. Absolutely. But that can be information that's really hard to get. Like, how is the average pre-med supposed to know that, oh, this school really, this, um, like, Carver values patient contact, whereas another school really values, like, volunteer service, whereas another school super, super values research. Call your admissions office again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, well, I was just going to add that the the MS uh, AR is really really a valuable resource in that they not ju- they don't just um, they don't just list kind of the average numbers that you can kind of assess your competitiveness. They also list mission statements and other resources that are like special to university. Um, one one of which for Iowa, I I thought was really nice was the proximity to a VA hospital. 
Because sure. um, when I applied here, you know, I mentioned having a budding interest in combat medicine, and I really liked the possibility of being able to work with veterans. And I think I think Iowa, the admissions office responded to that of like, oh, okay, this isn't just a generic application. This person actually took the time to learn about our program mm-hmm. and learn about the the things here that would serve their interests. And that's a know. great point. And I think also if you're getting really serious in the process. Go and visit places. If it's feasible for your life, go and visit and meet with admissions people or just tour on your own and mm-hmm. and get a lay of the land and, and do some of your own research that way, too. I think that can be tremendously helpful. You know, it's interesting that you say that um, because I feel like if you walked down the hallways of our institution, you would see certain things. You would see that mm-hmm. every one of our communities uh, has a service activity yep. um, that they participate in um, every year. You would see art on the walls. Mm-hmm. You would see, um, I don't know what else. What I, I mean, I, I feel like you would, you know, we're in a building that also houses research. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got a great Java hut. We've got coffee is important. Yeah. Java house. Java, Java house. house. Oh, no. Not a sponsor. I was trying to say Jabba the Hut is a type of house. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I think I was trying to say Jabba the Hut and Java house at the same time. That's all right. <laughs> we do have a Jabba the Hut too, though. Um, but, you know, and then talk to the people there. Yeah. I think, like you're saying, Dave, obviously right now it's spring break, so it's pretty quiet. But any other week, you would walk around here and you'd see students who are happy. And smiling. Um, most and of the time. Most of the time, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that means a great deal as well. And I think that you should be a really sophisticated consumer when you're on the admissions trail of things like that. Yeah. And also perhaps something that doesn't require necessarily going to school in person, but a lot of medical schools will are working with like an undergrad society. The thing ours here is catechus. Caduceus. Yeah, whatever that. No, snakes on a cane. Sorry. Yeah, snakes on a cane. Kind of, kind of dealio. And a lot of a lot of times you can um, if you don't want to reach out to the admissions committee, like maybe they're a bit too intimidating or you or maybe you're not ready to like make that first step to see. Yeah, you, I think that you should feel free to contact them and they can certainly put you in contact with people who with like current students who are more than happy to talk about their experiences here and what the school is like. Good point. So, yeah, pre-med, pre-med associations, they are a valuable resource or can be. It seems like there's a certain level of self-awareness that's required for the process mm. that um, yeah. you're describing, Amy, and that uh, Irisa sort of touched on. Um, that maybe is like maybe it's a good. When I first thought of it, I was like, oh well, you know, it's a bit of a a disadvantage if you don't have that self-awareness. How can you possibly know what you need in order to look for a place that will fill that need? But Maybe that's an important quality in a med student Mm -hmm. to have that self-awareness and to know what they need to thrive and then how to look for that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. There's a student that I've worked with for several years. I won't call him out. I think he does listen. Um, But he is an undergraduate here right now. But he's one of the the first students that I've met with that in meeting with prospective students, he didn't come in and say, "Okay, just tell me what I need to do to get into med school. His approach was, here's what I've been doing for the last how many years, because I am so passionate about these things. What do you think? And it was just, I really was so impressed with this young man's ability to empower his passions. And he was in the driver's seat. He was saying, okay, yes, I know I want to be a physician. I'm going to spend my time doing these things because this is where my passions lie. Not because I think you want to see them and this will make you happy, but this is so pat the this is who I am and this is how I want to spend my time. And oh, by the way, this is going to help me become a great physician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're always talking about um, not checking boxes. Yeah, that's um, a remarkably mature insight. Too. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, I, I think that there's two reasons to do it. Um, number one, to not check boxes. Because number one, people can tell when you're just checking boxes. Admissions committees can tell. Yep. Number two... Um, is that even if you got into a school whose boxes you checked but didn't give a shit about, <laughs> you would not enjoy that school, perhaps. No. Yep. It's a one-way ticket to unhappiness yeah. for four years. Um, yeah, I mean, schools are different. They look for different things. They want different things. So apply to a school that you have a simpatico connection with rather than applying to a school just because it, it it's a school, you know, like... Right or if it's a fancy school or it's a school in your town or it's a school, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, those aren't great reasons to apply to a particular school. Yeah. 
funny a funny story about that actually. Um, one of the reasons that I decided to apply to medical school in the first place was that originally I thought I was going to go to research, but then like after working it for it for a few years, I realized it just wasn't for me. So on one hand, I'm glad I realized that. On the on the other hand, all my my cumulative experiences and a lot of my um, a lot of like the stuff I've done was exactly that. It was research based, so I did have a bit of a time navigating that to try to see okay. What school will appreciate my research background, but it's not too research heavy? Because honestly, I kind of want to get away from that now. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that that was a bit of a puzzle for me. <laughs> there seems to be an art to um, selling your experiences in a way that makes sense, you know, to the universe. Like, yeah. like painting them as <laughs> an asset, even if it's not the thing. Because, like, even though oh, it certainly wasn't. Like, research is always an asset. <laughs> I was going to say having physicians who are familiar with how scientific findings are produced mm -hmm. even if you don't plan to go into research that's a valuable resource for sure yeah um amy does a really nice job you do a really great job of um of communicating the need for authenticity thank you aline yeah yeah that's a message every time you're on this show i feel like that's a message that it just shines through that what you're looking for is people who are genuine in their intentions and who don't misrepresent themselves because like you said dave it's pretty obvious and it's not just bad for the school because we don't we don't want to accept people who don't really want to be here and no one no one wants to get worked over is what i'm getting at you know no one wants <laughs> to get worked over by a professional um but it's also bad for the student you know to spend so much money and so many years of your life at a place where you're just not going to fit in right so mm -hmm. I like that well focus on. Thank yeah. you. Thank just you. Just always come back to yourself and end, I suppose. Wait, Dave, are we allowed to use bad words in the show? I just did a few seconds ago. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, don't be anybody's bitch, but your, but your own. Exactly. <laughs> Very nice. Sorry, mom, you were listening. So what? Okay. So you weren't a good. Perhaps you weren't a good fit for the school that you applied to. We've 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 talked about that. Um, what are some other reasons? that people aren't successful um and you and you mentioned you know mcat i think that's one mm -hmm. we can dispense with pretty quickly yep. um if you don't have the if you don't have a, a good mcat score that's going to be something that you have to overcome in some way and you can overcome it you know we have a sort of an average number that we mm -hmm. that we probably reach for right sure but if your score isn't perfect or mm -hmm. doesn't hit that number is that is that a done deal for you? No, not necessarily at all. That's the beauty of the holistic review. I mean, it's the beauty. It's also the messiness of it, right? Mm -hmm. That's why it takes forever. I mean, if we wanted to generate a computer program to tell us, okay, we'll accept the first 152 people that apply with the best MCAT scores and grades. Easy we peasy. We're we could done. do that in a nanosecond and I wouldn't need a job. Interview season really is sad. over. Yeah. And you'd which, have a job. Right. <laughs> which would be really sad. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it is that the beautiful and messiness of the holistic review there's very it's very unlikely that when i have a conversation with someone about why they weren't admitted there is one reason mm. it's very unlikely um and i think that it makes me really proud of our committee's work because it is truly a holistic review they care about the grades and mcat scores of course but then they care about the activities the person was up to while they were in college and maybe beyond. They care about the road travel that this person has gone through throughout his or her lifetime. And so they also care about what happened in the interview day. And, and I've had <laughs> conversations with people that, um, let, let's say, have checked the boxes and have wonderful grades and MCAT scores that, again, in that interview, the interviewers were so worried that this person didn't really want to be a doctor. Or yeah. maybe they just didn't know what else to do because that really is a reason sure. that some people reply to medical Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But before that interview, you need to articulate why you want to do this. And it needs to be believable <laughs> to the people who are listening. And again, if they can't even assess that this person has any passion for medicine, that's really hard for our interviewers to get over. For sure. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was uh, looking around for uh, reasons why people fail. And I ran across a Harvard Business Review um, article that sort of talks about a, a spectrum of reasons for failure. And so in talking about um, medical school um, admissions, a lot of these things seem to apply. For instance, um, <clears throat> you know, at the, at the bottom end of the scale is uncertainty. This is when you don't understand what needs to be done 
to get into medical school, to accomplish that goal. Okay. I think probably most people move beyond that. Um, but there are ways out there. There are There is information out there that will tell you pretty much the criteria that you need to get into medical school, aside from those institution-specific things yeah. that we've already talked about. But again, if you are a first-generation college student, um, how do you... How do you know where the resources exist yeah. if you don't have a strong academic pre-health advisor? Yeah. Some schools just have better resources for that. So I can understand why there are students who who metrically have everything they need to navigate the application successfully, but yet really fall short because they haven't had access or sought out access to help get coached through the application process. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was asking one of those people with that experience. My school has a pre-med advising and that exists in basically on paper only. They um mm. they don't really have a um they don't really have anyone that you can go to it's for It's not that, a real so. strong program, it sounds like. It's really just like they're checking a box off of yeah. like we need to have this kind of person on campus, but they really aren't yeah, sure what like, they're doing. Not naming any names. Like, yeah, like I try like you can try and make an appointment with them, but then they'll go but then like go in and says, Okay, you should take the MCAT. Take the MCAT and then we'll talk. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. That sounds helpful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Underground Institution, for all your valuable assistance yeah. in that regard. But yeah, there's a there's actually a surprising amount of information that you can that um that you can find on Google and a surprising amount of in- a surprising amount of that is actually right. Well, there's a lot of people who will go on there and say, well, if you don't have a perfect MCAT score in 4.0, don't, don't even bother. bother. Yeah. Or like, wow, like you need shadow, you need like at least 80 hours of shadowing experience and you need to have specifically this particular patient care experience. If you don't have this, don't even think about applying to medical schools. Yeah. It seems to and that, that sort of goes scary. to, I think that sort of goes <laughs> to process complexity, which is another um, thing on that spectrum. Um, which is, you know, the process of getting into med school is, is so complex that it doesn't take into account your circumstances. So when people mm-hmm. say things like, well, you know, you can't get in if you don't have this, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of contributes to a perception of complexity that, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's complex. Getting into med school is complex. There's a lot to keep track of. There's a lot to think about. But, you know, you have to make sure that you understand, you know, what that process entails. Um and, you know, make sure you're getting your information from the right places. I was going to say, like, all of this is reminding me how valuable good advising really is mm-hmm. um, and how it seems to me that the best defense against not getting into med school is to get good advice yeah. from someone who knows what they're talking about. Or Google, in my case, and that's how I ended up to act. I'm nearly taking GRE. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you would you say that a lack of ability is a common reason why people don't get into med school, Amy? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. Okay. I want to add to, sorry, coming back to the advising. I remember at one point someone telling me that um, even if you're not a student at a certain university, you can still consult their pre-med office. Oh, wow. Oh, like, really? Like some universities... You know, obviously they want to prioritize their own students, but if you're, you know, a postgrad or, you know, maybe you graduated from there, you're an alum, they're usually, even like career advising services at some universities, like they might charge you for the appointment, but it's a small nominal fee or, you know, they might prioritize you lower in terms of getting an appointment. But I think if you just ask, they may, they may still see you and, uh, and meet with you and give you some advice, even if you're not their student. So. Wow. That's remarkably generous. Of the, the programs who the did that. The power of the ask cannot yeah. be underestimated. It's a really good point. You know, like I've spent a lot of my younger years thinking that, you know, why would anybody say yes to me? You know, like what, you know, and so I didn't ask questions. I didn't seek help. I, you know, it's not, it's not true. It's hard. You know, hard a lot of people ask. do want to help, but you got to ask for it. You got to, right. you got to put yourself out there. Right. Which I, is, I think, I think one of the difficulties is that, you know, when, when, if, if I can put myself into the shoes of somebody who didn't get in this go around is that you start to tell yourself stories about why you didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that school, you know, those schools just didn't appreciate me or, or, <laughs> or, um, you know, well, it's because, you know, I was sick that time and, you know, they thought I couldn't handle med school. I don't, I don't really, you know, like I'm making shit up right now, but, yeah. but the point is that you have to go beyond those stories and really dig down 
into your application. Absolutely. To, and put yourself in the shoes of the schools that you apply to to really understand right. why you didn't get in. Yeah, but you ha- it's it's a, it's extra work. It's a lot of extra work. Sure, because you can speculate all day, all day and night long, and, and bad advice is everywhere. Like, it was because I was wearing tennis shoes to the interview, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, I didn't. I didn't cut the vent on my suit jacket. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely, that is a big deal, though. That's a thing. I know. I actually, the I worked jacket? in. Yes, I worked in career services for about eight years before I took mm-hmm. this job, and so I'm used to being on the lookout for vents that are still sewn together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, to this day, when people come and I notice it on their interview day, I will say, you know, pull them aside, hey. I need to help you with something <laughs> and we'll cut the bit. And I bet they're usually like, Oh, I didn't even know that. that I didn't know that was a thing. Was yeah. A thing. Cause oh. how would you, unless anybody had told you, sorry, I think I need some education. What's a vent? Yeah. So this oh. is, so, so this is the, uh, the split that's mm-hmm. usually on the backside or maybe on the sides of your suit jacket or your skirt or your, or skirt, your skirt. And they oh. usually arrive tacked together with one stitch. Yeah. Just it. one thread. Mm-hmm. And Gosh, you're supposed to cut it mm-hmm. so that it, you know, does its job, which is, you know, expanding and moving around while you move around. To create yeah. a silhouette. Shall yes. Yeah. Yes. I think this is just one of those like other ways that like we can point out that maybe that this is kind of perhaps some kind of bias against people who are perhaps not from a like a first generation college student background or someone who has not necessarily been exposed to many been a background where in a situation where they had to wear a lot of suits. I am past. I am <laughs> I certainly not gonna com- not gonna claim that I have not worn a suit yeah. jacket with an uncut vent. And you're from oh, this yeah. country. And I, yeah. I am from here. Right. Um, there there are these, like, uh, I don't know, these intricacies. You, 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 as you age, you learn things, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. I, I think probably a lot of, for a lot of people, when they sort of apply to a professional program, or maybe they apply to their first job or whatever, that's mm-hmm. the first time they've ever worn a suit, perhaps. For sure. Not yeah. everybody has, I, you know. I think it's hard for a lot of people, but it's, disproportionately more so if you're not from this oh, country. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say. Um, I was just thinking back to uh, some time I spent abroad and like I like I never underestimated how difficult it is to be an immigrant, you know, not least of which because of language differences, but just like not understanding the norms, the cultural norms. And I remember spending some time in Germany where um, like rule following is such uh, it's such a cornerstone of their culture. I went to Jaywalk and someone was like, don't do that. Don't do that. Especially not in front of a child. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it was important enough to the person who saw me about to jaywalk to be like, don't do that. Don't do that. Especially it sets a bad example for the child in particular is what I took from what they were saying. And wow. here jaywalking is so ubiquitous. Everyone it's, it's basically a made up crime to us. We're like, that's not really a crime. There are some, there are just some th- rules wow. in every society that you don't learn until you break them, you know, like the the unwritten rules, like, you know, perhaps the cutting of vents and suit jackets. I don't know. Yeah. What else? Anything else you want to educate us on, Amy? Dave, I think we've covered the bases here. Good. Yeah. I hope it's helpful for people. I want our listeners to uh, let us know um, whether there was, you know, whether they uh, didn't make it into med school this year and are continue going to try again next year. Um, maybe it would be interesting to discuss with them, you know, what it is that they found out uh, when they contacted their admissions to, uh, units to uh, figure out, you know, what it is they, yeah. they, they got wrong or whether it was just a numbers thing. Yeah. For your, in your case or, or what, or maybe if you didn't get any great feedback from the medical schools that you uh, applied to and, and, and didn't get. I'd love to hear all about that. Um, so you can give us a call, 347-SHORT-CT. You can email us at theshortcoats at gmail.com. Uh, those would be two great ways to tell us your story. I wanted to add something, but it's a little bit after the fact. Um, when So I applied a couple of times and I got in the second time. But the first time, I remember when I did this and I was calling around to get advice, um, some schools were like, well, you know, you, you you had some shortcomings in your application, but one good way to redress that would be to come to our postback program, which costs sixty eight thousand dollars. And so I'm, I I was wondering, like, wow. what your opinion was about that, Amy? Of um, well, sure. I mean, we can't argue with the utility of postback programs, of course, but 
I definitely got the feeling that they were like, hey, you know, if you give us $68,000, wow. you'll have a better chance of getting in next year because there's a guaranteed interview that comes with this program. It was yeah. a bit weird. Yeah. Well, I definitely have no conflict of interest because we don't have a post-bac program at the University of Iowa for MD-seeking students. Um, there is a post-bac program for students that are more interested in the MSTP route. But for students who are really truly pursuing the MD-only route, we don't have that kind of conflict. So, um, you know, the programs exist, and I think that they need to exist because simply some students, when they were 18 to 22 years of age, they were not demonstrating what they can do in hard science and math courses. Yeah, maybe they had other plans at that time. Right. And so they weren't taking all those hard science classes. Right. Or they were just a different person and yeah. they wanted to do lots of other things and studying wasn't one of them. Or maybe they didn't know how to study, whatever the reasons. Um, the programs are, they need to exist. It's hard for me sometimes if I don't know a lot about a post program or I know how much it costs. It's hard for me to advise someone, oh, you need to do this two-year program where you're going to pay, you know, 60 plus thousand dollars a year for two years. And at the end, you don't have a master's degree. You don't have an additional degree. You've taken additional hard math and science courses. That's it. Mm -hmm. So while I understand those programs need to exist and I believe they need to exist, it's still something to really consider. Now, if you do know a program exists and you are guaranteed an interview at their medical school, if you perform up to a certain, certain standard, that's a great thing as an applicant. It is. But at what cost before you begin your medical school journey, which also can be quite expensive as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Thank yeah. you for, really good point. for bringing that in. Thank you for the insight. Uh, anyone participating in uh, this year's Doc Dash? Uh, I don't do exercise. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a doc yet, and I also don't dash. Well, stress is the only cardiovascular no, exercise yeah, we get. Like, wait how a minute, Arisa. How many calories does like an anxiety attack burn? Well, <laughs> a lot. A lot. I've done the math. I've done wait the a minute, Arisa. You don't, have yes. to be, you don't have to be a doctor to participate in the 2019 <laughs> Doc Dash. Oh, yeah, right. But you do need a dash, so that's kind of a deal breaker for me. <laughs> this is the Carver College of Medicine's annual 5K uh, race walk this year on Saturday, April 13th. Uh, I hear there will be uh, more than 600 uh, runners and walkers. There's a kid dockling dash, um, which is cute. <laughs> cute. Uh, and anyone can join the fun. Kids under 14 participate oh. for free. Hmm. Oh, wait. How old do you have to be to join the um, dockling dash, like the kid yeah, one? I, I don't really know, but a... you can find out at uidocdash.com. You don't qualify, Irisa. <laughs> But it's the only one I can possibly have a chance of winning. Well, here's You'd be the, the ringer. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's say that you are not a runner. Did you know that even if you can't run or be there in person, you can sign up to be a virtual runner and all proceeds will go to the Iowa City Free Medical Clinic and the University of Iowa Mobile Clinic to provide services to populations that lack access to healthcare and provide training to healthcare students here at Iowa. Yeah. Wait, isn't a doc dash like one of the major sources of funding for this free clinic that serves a lot of um, it is people in need? a very big deal for us. I don't have the numbers in front of me as to how much they um, pull in, but you can imagine well, it's that a, it's, important. <laughs> it's very important mm -hmm. to uh, these two organizations and our ability to, um, to help these populations as well as our students figure out, you know, how to work with, um, with patients. Mm -hmm. Um, so go to uidocdash.com and register. How about that? How about that? Yeah. I'd like to add that um, the free medical clinic is always looking for volunteers. So mm -hmm. if anyone listening might be interested um, in being uh, or helping out with patient intake, um, they like to have phlebotomists or pharmacy techs on hand. Um, would that be would that be a way perhaps to get patient care you experience bet. for your application you to med school? <laughs> might not come with a guaranteed interview, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll be back in just a second on the Shortcode Podcast. You know what's better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick? Podcast merch. And you know what's better than filling a podcaster's pockets when he doesn't need the money? Podcast merch that does something good. When you buy our t-shirts at theshortcode.com slash store, every dollar we make will be given to charity. Spring 2019's charity is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Get your SEPT and bring some light into the world at theshortcode.com slash store. Guys, as we record this, last Friday was match day. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we can, <laughs> and I think we can, we can <laughs> celebrate a Reese's match. Woo! Yay! Uh, Guess who's going to Kansas City? Yay! Nice. To remind us again to do what? What did you match in? Oh, to do what? Yes. What did you match in? What was? Oh, your internal name? medicine. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. My goodness, it was just a lot of anxiety for couple of weeks until to the point that I was just like, why can't they just tell us someone out there somewhere knows? <laughs> yeah, right. Somebody mm. knows. To celebrate, you've brought us some candy. Yep. Um, mm, what is this, this candy, please? Oh, it's just, it's durian candy. Don't worry. It's not actual durian. Durian mm -hmm. candy. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. That is, how could this be candy? Hmm. How could this be candy? What's wrong? Okay. It's there's a weird How would you describe taste. this? Can't do it. Garlic? I'm sorry. It comes off tasting a little farty at the beginning. <laughs> I tasted natural gas. <laughs> yep. Yeah, actually I agree. I am very sorry. Where I, is this I from? this. A methane smell. Yeah. Where where is this from? Mm, what, what country did, what country is it what, was this packaged in? Um I think pro probably made in China, but it's probably oh. probably safe. Oh, um boy. yeah, part of China. Oh boy. I really appreciate this. I'm 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 going for it, but it's not it's not for me. Okay, um, here's some ginger candy if you want to wipe the taste out of your mouth. I do. Um, I want to give this a fair chance. That is so nice of you. I um, Teresa. I I usually I want to be very gracious when people give me things, but I couldn't do it that time, Teresa. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was considering bringing like actual dried durian or something in, but I thought the candy would be uh, like a you know, like a better way to start. The candy is getting better. Mm -hmm. Or else, no, it's not. Or else the natural gas is setting in, setting in. Yeah, or, or else I've... You're becoming delirious <laughs> due to the natural <laughs> gas. My senses and... have been dulled by the horror that they're experiencing. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a... part of the experience, actually, to uh, <laughs> to warp your mind into liking this candy. <laughs> he couldn't do it. Do you, do you know, is this a popular mm. candy in these yeah. in the other countries? I mean, is this or is this like a yeah. gag? Like, oh, no. A gag? You know, like, no, a, the, like a joke. No, it's a, actually... A prank? No, a prank a very popular fruit in, in most of Southeast Asia. In fact, I remember during the old days, like, for my, like my dad's family, after they finished, um, after they finished the durian, they would leave the, um, like, the shell onto, on the front porch of the house so the neighbors could see, like, how wealthy and, like, oh. I think they were. Yeah, wow. durian is a tasty mm -hmm. fruit. Like, I'm not debating it is? that. I, I believe so, yeah. I have my doubts. Well, listen, don't let the candy... Well, this candy ginger candy is better. It's delicious. Okay. I'm glad you like, I like that one. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time for me to trust you again, Iris. Oh, this is straight two for you, for anyone who knows <laughs> of the cat food incident. No, but this is actually, this is like, this is not cat food. It's like actual human food. And this, yeah. I know, but... Okay. Thank you for, thank you for uh, 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 catering to our need for real human food. P.S. It smells like natural gas in the studio right now. <laughs> okay, no, that wasn't the candy. <laughs> oh, no. So uh, yeah, so Arisa matched. So did um, uh, many, many, many of your uh, classmates. It was a very exciting match day. Um, so let's see. There's two parts to matching. Um, there is the main match, um, and then there is the supplemental offer and acceptance program for people who don't match as part of the main match, for whatever reason. Um, so first, I wanted to talk about some main match statistics. Uh, let's see, there were 35,185 positions available in total. Uh, there were, uh, let's see, there were 93% of US seniors matched to those positions. Um, there were 18,000, almost 19,000 uh, seniors attempting to match. Um, and, um, let's see now, now that's that those are, those are us seniors in allopathic medical schools. Lots more people are involved, um, in the match process. Mo lots more people seeking matches like foreign medical graduates, DOs, um, DOs. Mm -hmm. um, am I missing anything? Those are the two kind of um, foreign graduates, DOs. No, I think that's all. Um, us, C us, uh, born students who went to foreign medical schools. So they call those, I think, Caribbean schools. Offshore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things like that. Mm -hmm. Offshore. This is another one of those numbers games. Has you such know, a for... negative connotation from the other things that it's associated with, like offshore accounts. Gambling. Offshore <laughs> gambling. <laughs> offshore, yeah. Um, but in this case, it's it's not quite like that. 
Some of these guys come back with a, some of these folks come back with um, really good training. I think absolutely some of them yeah. will do their rotations like uh, on U.S. soil because mm-hmm. their schools garner these relationships. Yeah. 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 As I said, 90, 90, almost 94 percent of U.S. seniors matched to uh, PGY1 positions. Those are the mm-hmm. uh, first year. That's great. Um, positions. We actually did considerably better than that. Boom. I'm not going nice. to tell you what it is because I'd get in trouble probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say it was good. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were happy. Um, now, inevitably, some people don't match, and that's where this supplemental offer and acceptance program comes in. Basically, this is almost like a second. There, This is like a second match, basically, where um, the unfilled positions and the unmatched seniors uh get together and um and try to uh, fill those positions and get those jobs um the soap process was not all that great this year um things went wrong uh for the supplemental offer and acceptance program um the uh let's see well during soap this year that system crashed big time Students who didn't match the first time around couldn't get their applications to programs. Programs couldn't get in to look at applica- applicants. Um, in all, it took about a day to resolve that problem, um, giving the unlucky students plenty of time to freak out. Um, plus, there were three rounds of applications that were supposed to take place uh, so during SOAP, um, and that was reduced to two rounds. So both students and programs were frustrated uh, by this process. Um, God. I want to, I don't know, if you were one of those people, uh, I want to sort of send my, uh, condolences? my, 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 my sympathies, I guess is what I would like to say, um, for having gone through that. It sounds like it must've been very frustrating. Yeah. I can't imagine, I can't imagine the amount of stress that that, of extra stress that that puts on like both the students and the programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the end it worked out. Yeah. You know, but there's so much in school that is in med school and uh, that's frustrating and, and, uh, and difficult. Y'all don't need that on top of it. Is, oh, yeah. That's just felt terrible yeah. for those folks. Um, and also I gotta say, this is my personal opinion. It's not the opinion of the Carver college of medicine. <laughs> it's not the opinion of the students at the Carver college of medicine. It's not the opinion of the university of Iowa. Maybe not even be the opinion of God himself. <laughs> okay. But it's ought to be good. Themselves. You know, him is a gender construct. I'm sorry. Uh, You're right. (laughs) You're totally, you're totally right. Thanks for calling me. I'm a progressive person of faith. Thank you very much. My (laughs) opinion is that Eris needs to be spanked real hard. (laughs) It needs like corporal punishment. That Eris is the, uh, Eris is the, uh, the system that, um, you know, sort of runs this, uh, this application, uh, the application side of things. Oh, does Harris run soap too? I didn't it's, know that. It's, it's owned by the, uh, I mean, it's a part of the double AMC, or at least it was, there was kind of a divorce years ago. Anyway, it's very complicated. <laughs> a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> it's very complicated. The point is that, um, Eris is supposed to be the whole, the, the thing that runs this, uh, soap process. And when double AMC took in $85 million in 2017, um, specifically in Eris, um, application, fees i feel like y'all gotta get some y'all gotta hire some it people or something this is not the first time that eris has failed um there was uh let's see i'm gonna I, i'm not sure i'm gonna get these details right because of course i couldn't find any information out there on the internet mm-hmm. about these failures but i do remember that a couple years ago um the system crashed um and programs couldn't get in um, in, in a couple of years ago, there was another situation where, um, students who had matched were able to look at the code of the yeah. page of the website yeah. and were able to f- find out where they matched before that information was ready to be disseminated. I'm not going to lie. Because, yeah, I mean, it's kind of good for you because somebody had commented out that information within the webpage, but it was still there in the code that if you were if you were lucky enough to think to go look at that code, you could could find out. That mm-hmm. spread like wildfire. I don't know if any of our students took advantage of that, but I would have. <laughs> <laughs> TBH. <laughs> totally would have. Anyway, wow. the, 
The president and CEO of the AAMC, Daryl Kirch, sent an email this past Monday apologizing for the problem, saying that the AAMC does, quote, not yet have the answers, but please know that we are working diligently to understand and correct the problem, and we will apply the lessons learned in earnest, unquote. God, this, this uh, ginger candy is really sticking around. <laughs> Sorry about that, listeners. <laughs> oh, dear. I think Arisa really wants to talk about her match, Dave. Yeah, I'd like to hear about her match. I do. I'm also getting that oh. that message loud and clear. You and you should. Yeah, we should celebrate you for yes. your success. It's awesome. Congratulations. How were your Thank interviews, you. Arisa? Let's go back to how were your interviews. Did you enjoy oh your interviews? Were they? I wish I had enjoyed them more and been less anxious. But like, I really think that that's like, I really think that everything I was feeling was not pathological and perfectly normal for someone who's taking interviews to decide the next three years and possibly the rest of their life. Mm. But did, I did, I did really enjoy being wined and dined around the country though. That did you, nice. did you, uh, <laughs> yeah. did you, um, did you interview at a large number of places or a small number of places compared to others? Yeah. You, know, am I, you am don't I, have to give us a number if you oh, want Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy giving numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, am I allowed to? I don't see why not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I applied to, Okay, so may- I um, originally applied to like maybe 25 schools, mm-hmm. but then like in a fit of anxiety overnight, I applied to like a couple more schools and ended up with a total of maybe 35. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I bet um, that's not uncommon. That night before that you're, that you're... Uh... No, no, no night before. I just randomly got anxious and just decided to apply to a lot more programs. Okay. Um, so I forgot how many interviews I got, um, how many interview invites I got. Um, I was counting 16 before I started canceling a few. Oh, okay. Cool. And I ended up going to a total of, I think, 12 interviews. Okay. Wow. So pretty, pretty standard for your average internal medicine application, um, internal medicine applicant with, um, with, with my scores and stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you just start waking up and thinking, what city am I in today? What? Was it like oh. that? Did you just start waking up and asking yourself, what city am I in today? Oh, no, thankfully, because like, Oh, thankfully, because I didn't even bother to stay overnight. I just flew. Oh, you mean the night before? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've seen a lot of hotels, some of them nicer than others. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's yeah. good. And yeah, um, fun. and so what was it like to get that uh, email on Monday of Match Week uh, mm. saying that you had matched? Um, is it going to sound cocky that like I... I knew I was going to match. I just didn't know where. Okay. I think that's a situation that most of us are in. Like, we know we're going to match. We just don't exactly know where on our rank list we're going to match. So, yeah, that's like, not cocky. I, yeah. Especially for our school. I feel like we do a pretty pretty good job of training our students and also helping them set their sights in a realistic way. Yeah, I guess yeah. if you can look at if you can look back at historical trends and, mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, we usually do pretty good in the match. You and know. it's not like I punched anyone during the interview. I or congratulate sal- you on your restraint. Yep. Or yes. ate salad with my hands, which is more than I can say for some people. Here's a oh little my. interview tip. Don't oh punch my. people. Don't eat salad with your hands either. Salad with your hands? You know, like if you order a salad, like use a fork. Were they drunk? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I don't want to specifically call them out or the city that it was in. But um, so, you know how like we normally we, we have we get to order an appetizer or salad before a meal at mm-hmm. some dinners. Yeah, they ordered a salad and they ate it with their hands. Okay. Was this, could this have been a case of like a lack of cultural awareness or? Um, I don't think so. Okay. All right. All right. I'm glad you read between the lines there. Yeah. No, I don't think it definitely was. Unless if there's like, I don't know, maybe like part of America that doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. Use forks for their salad. We, we used to have years ago, we used to have a, um, uh, oh. a sort of a, a, a an, an event. An etiquette dinner. An etiquette dinner where you could go and. You know, <laughs> seniors could go and have a fancy dinner, apparently. Oh, and they still do that. No, I think yeah. I get the emails. They still have oh, okay. those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice. Um it's if, fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they still have some department specific ones. Like I can't say internal medicine may may not have, but I think general surgery did. I think Peace did. And I also think that it was at the view, the um the oh, yeah, restaurant the, with the nice like restaurant downtown, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nice one with nice. stuff in it. With stuff in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh I prefer to go to restaurants with stuff in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So food, I for yeah. instance. Yeah always a good thing so i ended up taking a great creme brulee tour of the u.s and so far i can say that iowa city has the best creme brulee that oh, i have tried in the United wow States. get out of here no i am not I the one of the 126 that has hands down the best creme brulee i've had in the entire interview season and trust me i've been 
eating a lot of green brulee. This is, this, I love wow. green brulee. This yeah. is yeah, this is one of Christine's, my wife's favorite oh. uh, desserts. So well, she should check it out. Like seriously, that I'm, thing is like just chugging straight up heavy cream. Wow, okay, but in a good way. We like we like to chug <laughs> heavy cream. Have you guys uh, seen the movie Amelie? No, no, it's been years. Oh. It came out a long time ago. I think like 1999 or 2000, I want to say. But um, there's this one scene where she talks about like her favorite things. One of which is the sound that the spoon makes when it breaks the caramelized oh, top so of the creme brulee. It's, <laughs> it's my so, favorite yeah. thing to do is to break that. Yeah. So nice. It's really poetic, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I was in good creme brulee company here. Absolutely. So I opened up <laughs> Absolutely. about it. It's yeah. important oh, yeah. to offer a, uh, yeah. yeah. No, my favorite part of creme brulee is definitely the eating part. So okay, yeah, fair, fair <laughs> taste enough. first. How do we feel? Sound second. How do we feel about flan? Though these are the important. Wah wah. Oh, not for you. <laughs> my um, mom makes a great flan. Ooh. I love my mom's. Flan. See, maybe I've just never I'm had it. I'm I've sure never had does. good flan. Flan or flan? I thought it was flan. I don't know. It's Brazilian, American. Right? I'm Mer- American. I'll flan. follow whatever I want. It's Iraq, yeah. not Iraq. <laughs> yeah, um, I was one of those kids who grew up reading a lot more books than they talk to people, and that sometimes comes out of my pronunciation of really big words. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, yes, I can define it. I can spell. It. I know what it means, but like, I can't actually say it. <laughs> That's typically the case. I've noticed when I mispronounce something or anyone, mm-hmm. it's because they read it before they heard it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have discovered a newfound um, appreciation for the fact that I may not pronounce things correctly and I don't know it. Um, And that's just because every once in a while I'm like so firmly, I so firmly believe that I'm pronouncing something correctly. And then I find out later that, no, that's not how you do it, Dave. Um, Or... I find out the definition of words I'm using is incorrect. Yeah, like <coughs> mediocre. Mediocre doesn't mean bad. It just means average. I go. I like technically I'm a mediocre med student. That's okay. Yay! <laughs> I go back and read a lot of. Um, I go back and and I I look at a lot. I do a lot of Google searches these days for words because I'm uncertain. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it's okay. it has a pronunciation. Sorry, pronunciation rather <laughs> function. Ironic. How ironic that I would mispronounce <laughs> the word pronunciation. Yeah. Well, yeah. quick question. What I I was not really sure of the social etiquette around that. And my my knee-jerk reaction has been like to never correct someone unless it's in private and to be especially sensitive if it's a person whose first language wasn't oh, English. Of course, but like yeah. what what is the etiquette around that? I don't really My know. my personal etiquette is that I never correct someone because usually it turns out they're right and I'm wrong. Good. <laughs> Just saying. I think that's actually yeah, that's exactly why I don't correct people is because <laughs> when I have in the past I have occasionally found out that I am the one who is Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I'm not that smart. I know that. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dave's used a couple words in the show today. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that fascinating? So, but I'll, I did I pronounce them right. We may never know. How the hell yeah. would I know? <laughs> Listeners, if I mispronounce anything today please call him out and rake him over the coals yes yeah yeah so i'm not smart but my family speaks a lot of different languages and that must be very confusing i was gonna say yeah so i'm like one piece of feedback i've gotten a lot when i was younger and in college is that i'm very articulate and it was out of necessity because if i wasn't absolutely crystal clear and quick with what I was saying, I would get misunderstood a lot. Oh, yeah. Mm. And it was very frustrating. So here's wow. here's one thing that I would suggest to everybody on the planet that is appropriate to correct pronunciation on. And that is names Aline Sanduke. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Thank you for that. I still mispronounce yeah. your name every time we do the beginning of the show. But I know I, at least I now know that He's it's aware. wrong. But is yeah, it? your heart's in the right. I don't care about that. Okay. Like, you've done so See, many more a- important things for me. That outweigh you oh. sometimes saying my name. See, I don't care. See, yeah, Davi. That's the thing. <laughs> see, that's the thing. I think most people um, mm-hmm. really wouldn't mind you correcting them about the pronounce- pronunciation of your name. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. that's, that's fine. It's mildly embarrassing. Well, it's also that like, because my name. But also I'd rather just pronounce it correctly mm. if I can. And I can't. a sign of affection. Uh, clearly mm-hmm. I can't. Well, <laughs> this is why I give. Every, this is why like, I always just use a gender-neutral nickname, Yeehaw Partner. Ah, yes, <laughs> Chief. I bet that came in handy during your interview. You're right, bud. Yeah. <laughs> no, but actually, one of the feedback that I got during my clinical rotations was stop using the phrase "goody goody gumdrops." Oh. People think you're being sarcastic. <laughs> 
things. She wasn't, folks. I wasn't. I'm never. I don't. I am never sarcastic. She, if I ever go up to you and say "goody goody gumdrops," I mean it with all my little it. heart. Is that okay. how you say "oh good"? Is that what you're saying? Oh good. Yeah. That's like, how. You, that's your version of like, oh okay, cool. Yeah. Is goody goody gumdrops. Yeah. Like, oh, the X-ray turned out clear. Oh, goody goody gumdrops. Thanks for the read. See ya. <laughs> Oh my God, that's the cutest thing I think I've ever heard yeah, in my entire life. I got dogged on professionalism for that, so. <laughs> oh, that seems harsh. Yeah. I've I've been told in the past that I was too casual for rolling up my long sleeve shirt. Wait, but you're supposed to roll them up. That's... It, yes, it's more sanitary, right? There's a yeah. reason why I did that. And they were like, mm, you're, you're being too casual right now. No, like, and wow. also like, if you don't, it looks weird if you leave it down. Like, what are you, like, you're ready to like, I don't know, file well, papers. Right. <laughs> well, you know, you could roll it up the fancy way. There's two different ways to roll up your sleeves. I can't really, I don't, I don't really know how to describe what these are, but there is the fancy way and the non-fancy way. Mm -hmm. um, I think Obama used the fancy way if you, if you really want to. If you Google Obama sleeve rolling, and I bet you'll see something. Can we right now? Can we digress for a second about rolling? Yeah. So can somebody talk to me about how men, young men now roll up their pants a lot? Yeah. So I've <laughs> yeah, noticed. Yeah, the only, the closest thing to a young man that we have. Right I've here. noticed this. And honestly, honestly, I kind of wish mm -hmm. that I was a young man so I could roll up my pant leg. Tell me more. I don't know. I think it, I think it, I think it's not an, un. it's not a bad look. No. Um, I think it's more associated with women doing this, like with like capri pants or whatever, like having higher, higher legged pants. How are you blaming this on women, Dave? I'm not. Bl <laughs> <laughs> We're really tired of the patriarchy. I'm, yeah. I'm not blaming it on women. I'm saying Wait. that women are more likely to have uh, pants that are um, that are capri pants, basically, which is I feel like what men are trying to do when they roll up their pants. Okay. Make, but just, do we know why this is happening? I think it's just it's probably just a fashion. Oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Boat shoes. This is something that we oh. used to do. In the I'm going to say the 80s. 80s. Yes. We I'm would with you. we would fold. French roll. Is that what it is? We yep. would we would fold Front the bottom roll. of our pants, and then so 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 uh, yeah, sort of folded in so that it was narrower at mm -hmm. the opening at the bottom, and then we would roll it up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, our the place where I used to work was a uh, was a ferry service, and I was a valley parking attendant, and our manager used to get so mad at us for rolling up our pants mm -hmm. this way because you young kids were. <laughs> yeah, uh, you... but it was the thing. It was the thing back then. Plus, mm -hmm. the pants were terrible. Or you like remember when like Uggs were first coming to fashion and then like skinny jeans and Uggs were like the thing? Well, because like it happened so fast, some of us didn't have skinny jeans. So that you can kind of like tuck and roll your pant like a little bit to yeah. make it look like skinny jeans mm. and tuck it into your Uggs. Yeah. You know, part of the reason that I uh, hate fashion, um, <laughs> actually that I have a love-hate relationship with fashion, I should say, is that fashion has a tendency to take a thing that has actual function and actual utility and then remove the utility just for the appearance of the thing. Hmm. Girl, are we talking about pockets by any chance? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pockets. In this case, you know, the rolled up pant leg, I'm... You said something, Irisa, about boat shoes. And actually, that makes sense. Like, rolling up the pant leg to avoid it getting wet does make sense. And we were, oh. and we were, uh, this was a ferry service. And so <laughs> we were yeah. by the water. This may have been, maybe this was a marathon. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> you said ferry service. I, this whole time I was imagining like a Disney printed service that rents out ferries to children's <laughs> birthday parties. So wait a minute. Hang on just a second. Uh, so he sorry. rolled up his pant legs to Arisa, avoid fairy dust. Arisa, <laughs> you thought that I worked for a fairy service. No, no. I, David T. Etler. You said, but you said for the valet service. I was like, oh yeah, he probably parks the fairy's cars or something. Arisa's mind is a mystical place. Goody, goody, gup, gup. <laughs> Guys, that oh is our God. show. I have to, I just, I, we could go on forever, but I feel like it's a great place to leave it. Irisa, Amy, Aline, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you listeners for making us part of your week. For all your questions and for your t-shirt orders, if you haven't ordered your SP t-shirt designed by me, head on over to theshortcoat.com slash store and pick one up. They're on sale. And all the money goes to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, an org whose mission of destigmatizing mental illness is important to us. If you're new and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, 
We love answering listener questions. So send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcodesatdebunk.com or reach out on social media or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. If we've made you smile, give you something to think about today, right now, while your podcast app is open, in your hand, give us some stars and a review. We haven't seen a review in a little while. It's a cheap and easy way to be befriended. It's a cheap and easy way to be a friend of the shortcoat and helps us know that we're doing the right thing. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College Med's student government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 